Listen to the good news proclaimed in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, reading from chapter 6, verses 19 to 25. Glory to Christ our Saviour. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? This is the gospel of Christ. Christ our Lord. Let's pray as we stand. Lord, we ask that as we reflect on your gospel, you speak to our hearts. Amen. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a shame, but both Mandy and I are probably very poorly qualified to speak on breathing space. Um, we're, not, we're not good at it, so uh, you're, gonna get, uh, you're not going to get the professional's view on breathing space this morning. You, you're going to get an amateur's view. But breathing space is something I know about, um, and I was taught about it um, by uh, the Amgani River, doing the doozy. Um, there's, there's a, the last rapid you get to is called Mango Rapid, and it's pretty lucky, not just these days. One and a half meters from the right bank, and you won't even wet an eyebrow, in my case. Um, but it used to be a bit of a nasty thing, uh, because it's got an, uh, an unnatural object in it. It's got a pylon for a, for a, for a bridge. And uh, when I first started paddling, I have uh, recollections of, of that, thinking, okay, I'm nearly finished. Let me just sneak around this thing. And... Uh, the, uh, the water follows an unnatural course, and I got thrown against this pylon, pulled out of my boat, and then there's this long trail. I, you know, as you get pulled out your boat, you just get thrown into darkness, and the water is so disorientating. So I went into like a little rinse cycle, you know, and uh, all you can think of is two things. You think, I must get my head above the water. It's really important. I must keep my feet above the water. Um, you've got to keep your feet up because uh, your natural reaction is to kick for the bottom of the river so that you can get to the top. But that's the last thing you must do because it's called entrapment. Your foot gets caught on something and then, well, everyone comes to your funeral. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just remember feeling like I just want to breathe. So I let go of my paddle and I was just, you know, and then you finally get your first breath. It's just glorious. But you know those wave trains, just they they've got like these dips so you breathe in the valley and then you go in again and it's just like just rinse and repeat rinse and repeat and I remember just like coming out the bottom thinking sure and I was just floating for a little bit thinking that's great I'm just gonna like breathe in the air my paddle I never saw it again it obviously got stuck on something under the water and they sort of uh, come out later so so that was like uh, that was my my school fee there for 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 breathing uh, thank you to mango rapid um, I have felt that uh, gasping feeling again. 
I'm a surf ski paddler as well, so Manzum Toti has done that for me a time. Hold you down. Appreciate the air. I've also felt it at work, you know, driving to work, feeling, oh, I just feel like I'm not coping. I just feel I'm not making progress, and the demands around me are, are, are bigger than what I can cope with. Um, and and you, you, you feel your whole body knitting up, and it feels the same. It feels like you're getting punished by mango. And I think, uh, well, I, I'm, 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 a, I'm a workaholic, so I'm a recovering one. But, um, but many of you are familiar with this kind of stress. Um, it keeps you awake at night. It, it, it it's eats away at the pits of your stomach. Um, it feels like you're being gripped by the currents of a powerful river. And I think the passage talks to it. It talks about... Uh, um, you know, but if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And when you're in that place, you think, hey, who turned out the lights? You know, what's happening here? How did I find myself in this situation? So how does this happen? Well, it's well documented that uh, many of us change when we're under pressure. And as pressure builds, the way we deal with it changes. Um, and we don't have regulators within us. We're all different. We approach pressure in a different way. Um, and uh, some of us have very, very poor regulators. I remember once Mandy had this Alfa Romeo, uh, two and a half liters, V6, I love that thing. What she didn't know is it had a regulator, because she never got to the regulator, but at 7,000 revs, it would just like kick out, and the car would just stop, and you'd have to wait for it to, I had to keep reminding myself when, when she lent it to me of that little regulator, because I'd have some fun, and then, poof, oh, okay, I'm pushing it too far. Um, but people are not like that. And often when we get into what's called like a danger zone, we change. We change the way we do it. Um, and it's well documented and assessed. And, and being uh, an, an ex-corporate boy, you, you, I've been, got through a lot of assessments where they start assessing you under pressure and how you behave when the chips are down. I'm going to read some of the. I went through some of my assessments. It was quite fun. I, I'm going to try and see if I, if I can find my place here and, uh, and see how I behave. Um, but when the pressure's down, breathing space just falls out the window. It, it talks out my, my profile. It says, okay, so Steve is assertive, sometimes abrasive, blunt and to the point, not wasting time on details, <laughs> just wanting enough information to make a decision, not always listening sufficiently, telling or urging rather than persuading, all with strong eye contact, spending limited time on social niceties, but often with an overtone of strong encouragement. So, so under pressure, I listen even less, and I, and I do more. So when you start from a bad space, you know, <laughs> imagine how worse it gets. Um, and I think when I was younger, it was easier because my responsibilities were less. You know, you could manage them without uh, listening and, and, and doing all the balanced things. But as you, as you get more experienced, uh, you tend to get more responsibility. People give you more responsibility. Um, and, and you get more expectations put on you. And, and I guess I, I, I kind of, you know, you get promoted to a point where you often find yourself with very little breathing space. You kind of look around you, and I guess the first thing to say is, well, sheesh, you know, who put me in this space here? Which popo uh, is responsible for this? You, you could blame your job, or you could blame your boss. Um, and I look around the corporates, I think my situation was certainly not unique. I mean, you know, I don't see people lolling around uh, and just 
relaxing, thinking, hey, it's great to be in a corporate, where are we going for lunch? Um, there were lots of people around me in pressured and demanding jobs. I think for me the epiphany came when I was at a school function. It was at, uh, I think I was watching Jenna at, at, uh, do something, and I was at the school function there, but I couldn't get this work issue out of my mind. And then I, I said to myself, you are one sorry individual. Um, you really should be focusing on your daughter, and you can't get this out of your mind. You've got a problem. Um, and I, I had a great relationship with my boss. I chatted to him about it. And he said, no, you must just take it more easy. Go to these functions. I, I laughed. I said to him, look, dude, you know as well as I do that you don't manage me. You know, I manage myself. I'm responsible for this. I'm the one who's put myself uh, into this situation. And uh, one of the things on the stress test uh, said you must ask yourself this question. When you feel yourself under pressure and you're taking action, it says, and it's very, very scientific, so pay attention. I'm taking this action because I want to or because I feel I have to. That's how scientific it is. When, when, you, when you're taking it because you feel you have to, it's a signal that there's an underlying force that you need to, uh, you need to address. What is holding you in this place? Another little exercise which might be worthwhile, it was, it was pretty useless at the 7 o'clock because a lot of people are retired. So if you're not retired, this is quite cool. Just think in your mind of a list of all the professions you can, you can come up with. So, you know, teacher, lawyer, accountant, engineer, painter, gardener, shopkeeper, optometrist, pilot, bookkeeper, manufacturer, whatever it is. There's a list. You can choose one. Someone says choose one. And then on another list, they just give you a bunch of salaries. We're going to start at two grand, okay? I don't want to start lower than that. Then you can choose four grand or six grand. This is a month, guys, not a year. Eight grand, 10 grand, 15 grand, 20 grand. And then it can go right up to like you can earn a million bucks a month. I stopped there because if you are earning more than a million a month in this church, you're definitely not tithing. So. <laughs> But if someone gave that to you and said, fine, you, 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 can, you can just choose any, any occupation and then pick any salary, what would change? What would change for you? Would you change your occupation if someone says, gee, I'll, I'll pay you more? Um, hand, hands up if you'll change your occupation and take a lower salary. Hands up, hands up, hands up. No, you don't really earn much in this, right? Yeah, very few people, I, I imagine. But it, it just helps you understand what is uh, driving me and what is driving my behavior. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's these honest conversations that are, are hard to come by. But when we get to the point that we realize that the issue is with ourselves, um, and, and we are often responsible for getting ourselves into a place where we're battling to breathe, as good Christians, we approach Scripture. I mean, that's what we've been taught to do. Approach Scripture. Approach the Lord. Bring your issues to the foot of the cross. Um, and Scripture is a great thing to do. I mean, you know, um, it's something that's written for the human condition. You know, if you've got exclusive books, I mean, I'm a great reader, and you've got exclusive books and say, gee, I'd really like something written by a first century tax collector. Something that's going to help me, you know. They're going to look at you as if you're a little bit weird. You know, saying, hey, do any great like fishermen write something on like how to live your life back in the first century? No, that's not the case. 
But people approach Scripture because I guess when we read Scripture, we think these to me feel like the words of God. That he is, he is speaking to my heart and He is challenging me. But Scripture comes with strong messages. You know, it doesn't say, hey, you can create time, just buy a dishwasher and you'll save like 20 minutes a day. Or, you know, it doesn't do that. It doesn't say, if you're an alcoholic, it doesn't say, well, just go from whiskey to cider. You know, it, Scripture is not like that. It gives us a very hard message. Um, so if you were looking at the list and could choose another occupation and another income, what would it be? Then you've got to say, well, Lord, why is that? If I looked at that, I would have chosen another occupation. Um, I would have kept my income the same. I'm happy with it. But I, I wouldn't have been brave enough to, to reduce it. And that's rather telling on, on, on myself. Uh, Jesus must be the king of our hearts. And uh, we come to Scripture to ask his help, to say, Lord, help me change my routine. But more than that, help me change my perspective. I mean, that's what Romans 12 is all about. Therefore, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't talk about changing your circumstances. It talks about changing you. That's what Matthew is doing. Uh, I mean, the, the words of Jesus through the Beatitudes, this is hard-hitting stuff. Jesus is not telling anyone to buy a dishwasher. He's saying change your perspective on life, and you will change uh, your breathing space. And I guess, I mean, I, I, I mentioned the income flippantly, but one of the issues we, we don't engage with often enough is, is our income. Um, and when you're in a corporate world, you realize how trapped you were. And, and just for what benefit it is, you know, you get all these nice things like bonuses and share schemes and stuff like that. Um, and you, it just feels illogical to say, well, I'm actually going to leave this job and say goodbye to those things because you, you, you kind of get uh, hooked in. Um, and I think what, what helped me was, uh, was remembering uh, when Mandy and I were first married. We went to live in the UK, and we knew we were just passing through. We were just traveling. We weren't going to be living there forever. We were going back to South Africa. So, look, it, it was easy at first because we were both students and we, we, we had no money. Um, but then my wife overachiever that she is, we budgeted for her to get a job, but then she went and got like a really cracker job, you know what I mean? Um, so she was like earning, I don't know, about three or four times what we put in our little budget. I was probably spending three or four times more because I'm the last of the big spenders. But, uh, but it was, you know, we couldn't really make our lives more complicated. We couldn't really buy anything because we just, you know, we just, we're just passing through. I mean, I, we couldn't buy any furniture because we couldn't fit it into our flat. We were up a bell tower. You could only fit single chairs up. Um, and I remember we bought a, a deep freeze. That's the one thing we bought. I had to buy a very special small deep freeze because it's the only thing that could fit up this little spiral staircase. But the Brits, they don't, I mean, they buy food every day and they don't believe in deep freezes, but I was, that's the one thing I was going to do. But other than that, we, 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 we survived on a lot less than we did today. And one of the things, when I found myself without breathing space, I thought, gee whiz, how am I going to replace my, my income? That's a challenge. You know, I've, I've worked hard. I've got it to a point where it's, it's looking after me well. But how am I going to replace it? To suddenly go to half of that is a, is a, is a challenge. And, and I guess what you, you talk that about that is like my concern, but it really is a fear. And, uh, and when we find ourselves out of uh, breathing space, we've got to look at the fears that we face. Fear of, 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 of change of lifestyle, I guess. Fear of redundancy. You know, um, 
I remember thinking to myself, gee, I really think I can get on top of this and make a difference. But I, there were things that were just getting away from me. And that felt like defeat. To, to walk away from that felt like defeat. So I guess a fear of failure, a fear of change. I'd been at a, in a job for 11 years. I'd, all the people I knew were around me. I, I knew what I had to do. So to go and to, to do something new uh, scared me. Um, but, but somewhere along the line, I guess my expectations had changed. And scripture was beginning to confront me and say, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that, I guess, is the wonder of scripture. So if any of you are into labor law, I did what was only appropriate. I, I'd given myself lots of written warnings, and I had to give myself my first demotion. I demoted other people, but I, I, I demoted myself. And I, for me, I had the, I'd made the decision to leave corporate and to guess, give up my career. So at that point, I thought there's some things that in a, in a corporate sense that are not important to me. My perspective has been changed. Um, and I've been reorientated. Being a better father and a husband is more important than, than, than being a good business person. So, so more light was allowed to, to come in. And that's what scripture does. Um, if I don't succeed, I'm going to have to give myself another disciplinary action. You know, I might have to fire myself next time. Um, but I think that's what scripture does. It's, it just uh, helps us to... To, to confront what we, what we regard as the driving forces. What are the fears and the hopes that are at play beneath us? And we bring those to our issue of breathing space. I, I often do it in, in when I'm meeting with people at, at work and say, look, let's go down to the basics. What are the nuts and bolts? What are the fears and hopes in this uh, situation? And how are they driving us? Because that's what scripture addresses. It goes to the heart of the matter, not to the diary. It doesn't say turn to outlook try these things different. He says, what do you fear? What do you hope? Who's your king? It goes to the really big questions that are the hardest to answer. Your situation might be different from mine. You know, I was in a corporate for 11 years. I've left. I'm, I've joined a small family business. I'm in pursuit of breathing space. Um, and that is part of my rehabilitation. You, you, might, uh, you might be looking after children. Um, but throwing your energies uh, into their development in the sense that you don't have breathing space. But you've got to say, well, maybe am I living out my hopes through these kids? Uh, I've seen it in, in my own family where, where, where someone has been old and, and needed care um, in, their, in their elderly condition. Um, but someone's throwing in excessive care, you know, almost out of their own fears and of, of that person's death, saying, I'm going to look after you so well that you will never die. And they need to be confronted. That is your fear. That is eating up your breathing space. You're spending every waking moment trying to keep this other person alive. That is not what the Lord calls for us. So as we, I've, I've put some questions in there uh, to, to ask uh, of yourself and in a group. And it's a, it's a good thing to have in a discussion. Um, but I really want to leave you with the encouragement of Romans 12, which really talks to the heart of Scripture. Therefore, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is, uh, it's, uh, God gives us salvation. He gives us grace. But more than that, he offers to continually transform our hearts and to find space uh, for him um, as we grow. Um, they say of divorce that often you end up keeping your problem and changing your partner. Um, 
And I think the same can be true of, of how we work and how we live, that we blame our circumstance without looking to ourselves and, uh, and changing ourselves. So, so I just want to finish by, by reading that passage from Matthew again. It really is so very simple. And we can say, well, where is our treasure? And who is our master? And uh, are there any challenges that we need to, to look at in our own life um, with regards to breathing space? Have we given our service to something other than to our true master? And is that what's causing us to run out of breath? So do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Lord, we, we come to your scripture when we feel that life is, is, is difficult. Uh, we feel that we are under pressure. And many of these pressures are real. They, they, they weigh heavily upon our shoulders. We ask for your wisdom. Lord, uh, in Hebrews, you, you just talk about how your spirit comes like a sword and really just separates the truth from what is not true. And we ask that your scripture speaks into our hearts, that you tell us the condition of our hearts. Where is our heart, Lord? Help us to have those honest conversations about where our heart is. Does our treasure lie with you? Like we've just sung, are we prepared to lay ourselves down for you and for your kingdom? Where that's not the case, we ask that you speak gently to us, to guide and direct us, that you provide people to, to comfort and support us. And most of all, Lord, that you just give us a passion uh, to serve you and glorify your name. Amen.